When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry. Sorry. We're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No. Lucky Land Casino. With cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello and welcome to a Saturday night special edition of the Managing Madrid podcast. Copa del Rey champions, baby. For the fourth time since I was born on planet Earth, we have won Copa del Rey per 10 Champions League titles. We win one Copa del Rey. It's a historic moment. It's as rare as a lunar eclipse. Probably more rare. I, I don't actually know how, how often eclipses occur. But I think it's just about as common as a Copa del Rey final trophy. First one since 2014. And we are recording this completely raw. It is seconds after the final whistle. Real Madrid have not even received any medals yet. Um so we just kind of jumped in here. Joining me tonight to break down the Copa del Rey final and no doubt get into a very, very tasty matchup against Manchester City this week is Siddharth Ramsundar. Sid, how you doing, man? I'm excited, man. This is the part of the season that I wait for all year. If you know me, I, I'm just waiting for the Champions League semifinals basically all season. And the Copa del Rey final is the business end of the season. Unfortunately, we're out of La Liga, so this year that means tonight was a night I was waiting for, and I love May and June. You know, it's the end of the soccer season. It's the end of the NBA season. I'm I'm honestly more dialed in than ever. I'm dialed in, Gian. Dialed in. Um, look, this is where the season gets really interesting, and uh, we it either ends in heartbreak or unforgettable memories. We'll see where it goes. Let's start with Osasuna. Uh, Carlo Ancelotti put out what, in my opinion, was the best available 11, given the fact that Luka Modric was not 100%. Um, did you want to start there? Did you want to start about Carlo's lineup? And also, you can tie it in if you want to how difficult it it seems to be to juggle your best 11 in a cup final and then Manchester City days later. Yeah, I mean, um, I think... Ultimately, I like Carlos 11 because I don't know if um, Kubameni is going to be playing much more against Man City. And I just thought you have to pick Rodrigo, you have to pick Benzema, you have to pick Vinicius. Um, I can't tell what they're going to do with Modric against City, but I knew he was fit 
And it was nice to see a lot of these players were fit as expected. I thought they were playing a lot of mind games with Man City, as I tweeted. And um, yeah, what, what do think, you mean? Uh, like how so? I don't know how hurt Modric was, for example. And um, if you remember before the before like one of the games, like six players came back, and I I just started wondering if maybe they were taking them out extra precautionarily, knowing the city tie was coming up, and just kind of announcing injuries. Maybe it was a little secret tactic with the coach telling the players, hey, like, I need you to, like, be hurt for, like, a few days. And, yeah, so I don't know. Modric, Modric might just be fit if we were for being honest. And so in that sense, I thought um, he had to pick an 11 that maybe where you can change it up is really the midfield. And um, that's where he changed it up a little. We're two minutes in, and you already brought up conspiracy. This is a record. I knew the conspiracies were coming, but two minutes in, that's that's even for you. I Look, Modric trained normally uh, two days ago. So when he was included in the squad and there was some like concern about him being injured and stuff, it did surprise me a little bit because I didn't know he trained normally. Like He trained with the team, full contact. And um, so there is that, and we can put that. But then there's match fitness, which is different. Um. I guess I never understood what it accomplishes. Like, what mind game does it accomplish for? Like, how does well, that actually so, affect your opponent? Okay, so you have Alaba, Benzema, Camavinga, Modric, Valverde, and Vinny who returned to action today, correct? Mm-hmm. That's six players. Okay. So I think the main thing it changes is, I guess maybe it matters with this team, especially since we're changing our 11 as we're going. This season, especially, it's changed a couple times with Benzema out and Valverde being on the right wing for a lot of the season to now Rodrigo starting and Camavinga featuring in the lineup more and Chuameni out. So what it does is, I think, firstly, it makes the opposition wonder what film to watch. They're not sure which games to catch to understand how you play. Um, Pep watches a lot of... Everyone watches like 15, 20... 30, I mean, I don't know. By the time you're in the semifinals, you probably watched their whole season, for being honest. And so the main thing it does is allow you to rotate and use a fitness plan and kind of um, just give your players time, everyone in your squad time to feel comfortable while also disguising your hand. And it's sort of like what happened with De Bruyne in Man City, in my opinion. I I hear you. I just still don't quite understand how it... Like, for example... This goes back to, I remember um, when we played against City 2020. I, I, I guess it was just before the, the lockdown, right? The initial lockdown. And uh, Manchester City, it was, the, it was the game at the burn bell where Real Madrid uh, went up ahead, the East Coast goal. Ramos gets a red card. The tie completely changes. And that was like the second last game before the world shut down for the pandemic. And I remember being there and I asked Pep, I said, how do you prepare for for Zidane because he's unpredictable? You sometimes you go with Isco in the diamond, sometimes he goes with the four three three. So how do you prepare tactically, not knowing what curveball Zidane is gonna throw at you? And he said, "Well, we knew that our eleven is what it is, regardless of what they do. But we knew we had a plan A and a plan B. So we knew if there was a diamond, it was this. If it was a four three three, it was this, and we just knew in right there." at kickoff what we were supposed to do based on what they do and i just feel like there's no way it would actually affect city for them to come in to be like oh is mordrich playing is he not we they just know what their their plan is not going to change if mordrich is not in the field like i don't i don't see it changing 
Yeah, maybe it induces a sense of complacency in the opposition, like, oh, a bunch of other players are hurt, and then you find out they're coming back. Um, it's just like, I don't know, at this point, I feel like we need to throw everything we got at that tie. And, um, you know, tonight, today was an important game. They brought six players back. I just, this doesn't feel like a coincidence, especially when you read the names on that list. Yeah, I mean, uh, the most famous case of this is World Cup 98. Ronaldo Nazario had a cold or a flu or he was sick or he was injured. I can't even remember what it was. I think it was just an injury. And uh, he ended up playing the final. And everyone was like, mind games, mind games. Um, okay, so bring it, bringing it back, Sid. Uh, incredible start to the game. This was a pretty entertaining final. I got to say, I told Jose this in the in the preview podcast. I said, you know... Osasuna are like outside of playing Real Madrid are not necessarily a low block team, but they may change their tactics against Real Madrid to be more conservative. Do we have a case study at the Bernabeu earlier this season where they actually pressed us and made us uncomfortable? Um, but I thought, you know, it's a final, more cagey. Maybe they won't go that route. I don't know if it had to do with Rodrigo's early goal. I mean, it probably did, but. They played pretty open football, and it was a fun final. It flew by. It was not cagey. It was quite open, entertaining. Um, how much do you think that had to do with Rodrigo's early goal? Yeah, when well, when Rodrigo's goal happened, I expected it to be over. I honestly thought, like, all Same. right, like, time to, yeah, right, like, time to clock out. Like, this might be a drag. Like, ho- hopefully, they put it away quick. And then it turned into that, which I didn't expect either. Um, I think, yeah, ultimately. A team scores early in a final, a big team, and then the underdog plays well. We've seen this happen before. For example, um, in the 2019 Champions League final, Tottenham-Liverpool. Liverpool scored early, and they didn't play the best game, if you remember. They conceded a couple chances, but they just bunkered down in a block, and Tottenham could have easily made it 1-1. It would have been probably played out similarly, I imagine. And I think um, just the case of an underdog that's really good tactically, that um plays a little bit out of their skin, but um thank God Rodrigo saved us. <laughs> Rodrigo was awesome. Like if we're just, I mentioned this on Twitter. That the main story tonight is to be honest, Vinicius. In terms of like talking points, headlines, all that stuff, he destroyed Moncayola. Just completely barbecued him. It was uh, it was just a Saturday barbecue for him. He just cooked him, cooked him. Uh, probably overcooked him and then put him in a blender. But on the other side, where Juan Cruz and Rodrigo were having their duel, low-key and not as attention-grabbing, Juan Cruz really struggled with Rodrigo on that side. It was a lighter volume of, of plays because it was mostly on the left side. But Rodrigo got in behind Juan Cruz several times. Obviously, the goal, uh, the second goal, was the biggest example of that. But Juan Cruz completely switches off, and he's blindsided by Rodrigo being there. Rodrigo had a great game, um, but so much of this, and forgive me for turning uh, Copa del Rey final into big picture discussion, but uh, my mind is already thinking of City. I'm sorry. I, I don't mean to be disrespectful to Copa del Rey and Osasuna. I'm so glad we won this trophy. But I'm thinking this entire past month or so where Real Madrid have generated so many good chances and Rodrigo's been so efficient. Vinicius has gone to another level in part because Rodrigo's on the field, in my opinion. You can see it. You can see the space he creates. They create for each other. 
You saw it today. Two line-breaking runs from Vinicius and Rodrigo's there to put it in. Uh, can you justify benching Rodrigo against City? I feel like that's you're thinking too conservative and reactive in doing so. What What are your thoughts? No, I saw what you said, and I think I said this before. Like the main reason I'm confident in any capacity against Man City this year because they're a very scary team is because we're starting Rodrigo. I think the difference is that we have pieces off the bench. Like Asensio this year is our bench guy. I think he can bang in goals. I don't think we need to keep Rodrigo on the bench for his impact. And yeah, it's just we need to make sure our starting lineup is actually deadly offensively. And the only way to do that is to make sure Vinicius, Rodrigo, and Benzema are all on the field. And ideally Fede as well in midfield on top of that. So... I think those four, when they're on the field, are just so fast, intelligent, great at striking the ball or dribbling, just bringing it up the field. And I think those four need to start against Man City in in those positions, like Rodrigo on the right, Fede in midfield attacking the box. And yeah, I, I mean, I'm just adding Fede to the list because I think he's also, a part of it is when when they play that way, Fede moves into midfield and attacks the box sometimes. So... Yeah, I mean, I love Fede on the right, but Rodrigo on the right is obviously a far superior offensive player. It's not even close. And I, yeah, yeah, I, I think offense actually, unlike last year in the first leg, I remember we actually um played. No, we didn't have Casemiro, and we tried attacking them. I I think we can defend better than that bunch and attack better than that bunch with um with Fede starting in midfield. I just don't know if we go with Cruz on Modric or Chuameni, or I don't know who's playing next to Fede. So, yeah, I, I agree with you. Um, and I've said this many times. I, I would start Rodrigo against City. I think he's way too valuable offensively. And he works hard defensively. Like, let's be honest. Like, sometimes we, we, we pretend this, like, if we swap out Rodrigo for another player, our defense suffers a lot. I'm not saying that's untrue, but that guy works so hard defensively. Uh, there's a play tonight. He sprints back to dispossess Abde in transition and steals it from him. That he works hard defensively, so you can you can shift his assignments a little bit, put him a little bit deeper if you want, and and ask him to defend more and then and counter. You can do that, but have him on the field because he's essential if you want to play transition football. Vinicius and Benzema both both need Rodrigo's presence to drag players away, uh, and his line breaking ability. So th- so that's one thing. Um, but my biggest question would be. Do you like how confident are you on a scale of one to ten that Ancelotti will start Rodrigo against City? On a scale of one to ten, I'm like at an eight and a half, nine. I'd say there's only a one in ten chance he doesn't, in my opinion. What about you, Mike? I guess my for this to happen, Ancelotti needs to break up his starting midfield. And essentially, you have to bench one of Modric and Cruz, which he hasn't done in big games. And that's where my skepticism is. I don't even know if he'll trust you many in a game like this. He may or may not. If he doesn't, it means Kamavinga probably goes DM or Fede goes DM. And then he goes... Uh, Well, today we saw like 20 minutes of Alaba at left back. Um, it's possible. I I don't know if, it, but but the thing is, like, 
I suppose the, if the I guess he could accommodate Modric, Cruz, and Rodrigo if he puts Fede as the third midfielder with Modric and Cruz. He might do that with Kamavinga left back because he's not benching Kamavinga. That's what I'm expecting. Yeah, that's what. I'm... Yeah, that 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 could very well be what happens. So that lineup can play through possession, and like it can play through City's press to some degree. Hopefully, it works. Like you know, you never know in a game like that. And then on top of that, if it doesn't work, it sh- as long as you don't give up. Like you can't just give up two three goals in a quick time. You know, you gotta kind of hold. We can't afford to be go down quickly against Man City. It has to be like. We concede a goal, all right, like press the brakes. And if they can keep the game slow and keep the ball and make City run around, then you have Chuameni, Ceballos, Marcos, Marco Asensio available off the bench. And that's the situation I would want to be in if I'm Ancelotti. Like use pretty much Chuameni, Ceballos, Asensio, come on, hound them, Asensio, put your trademark banger in Ceballos with your through balls. Um but yeah, I think, and I think that's how the dressing room would probably feel too, if I'm being honest. And as we saw in the Clásicos, and um, we saw Ancelotti's press conference after talking about how Cruz and Modric had value in their own way. And I tend to agree in that, I don't know if the way to beat Man City is starting our most energetic players from the beginning, but that mean, but we have Ceballos, Chuameni, and Asensio this year. I feel like that's the option we didn't have last year. And similarly, Kamavinga left back, Fede in midfield, I feel like we have similar defensive stability to last year with that lineup because we're super press resistant with everyone there and um, a much better offensive ability than what we started last year. So yeah, the main difference is Vinny and Ben's aren't Ben's. It really isn't, I guess he's been on fire for the last month, but like he's not as invincible. It feels like as last season where every game, you know, he's going to score three, no matter who he's playing. And we haven't had, to go against as many tough teams this season, if we're being honest, it's really been just Barcelona five times. He he can be invincible, but uh, basically, as he gets older, I think those invincible games are fewer and far between, and not consistently every week, which is understandable as you age. Um, so apart from the obvious undroppables being Benzema and Vinny. There's two more, in my opinion, that are undroppable. Fede and Kamavinga. That's four. Rodrigo has become undroppable for me. That's five. Um, And I don't think that these two should be undroppable, but they are in Ancelotti's eyes. That's Cruz and Modric. So that's every position taken up. So naturally, if... And I think Cruz and Modric are going to be on the field because Ancelotti has said it against far less aggressive pressing teams that Cruz and Modric are essential to help escape pressure. And he's not wrong. Um, so that being said, with all of that logic in our hands, I think the, the most realistic lineup is going to be, uh, obviously, Militao's out. So Courtois, Carvajal, Rudiger, Alaba, Kamavinga, Fede, Cruz, Modric, Rodrigo, Benzema, Vinicius. That's what I think is going to happen. What do you think of Carvajal tonight? Classic cup, <laughs> classic cup final. Carvajal, I thought he was good. Um, I still don't believe in him being able to do this every week, so I still, I still absolutely advocate to sign a right back next summer. But um, he was good. I mean, apart from like some cheap giveaways he had, which to be fair, the whole team was was giving the ball away. Um, coming out of the back. But 
defense on Abde was good overall. Um, had some heroic defensive interventions, including one big one in the six-yard box in the 94th minute. This was classic Carvajal um, in a big game. Quite good. Yeah, the 94th minute one was really, really stood out as like a classic capping off a Carvajal big game. And um, I agree. And I think it's just unfortunate that he has to use games like the January Clasico as warm up to get to this point. I know I wish he didn't treat those games as training sessions. <laughs> um, yeah, but I, I think the main main thing to focus on is that this team has spent the entire season getting ready to play what three important games at least the last six weeks have been gearing up towards playing these three important games and four match days ever since we beat Barcelona on the second leg so a month ago um that's that's why they looked good in my opinion they looked good physically I don't think they expected Osasuna to press them as much but also I think there's some inherent risk in the way we're going to play even against Man City and we did this again last year where we tried building up the ball. We didn't shy off building up the ball and it worked. And I think that's the main thing that separates Carlos approach from Zidane's where, or actually no, Zidane's approach was the main difference was he was very rigid in his buildup. So they would build it straight from the goalie. Whereas Carlo, it's like a mix of slow buildup, attracting city and just, you know, baiting them and then running there's a lot more running involved. And I think they didn't expect it to be this difficult to play their game against Osasuna. And when it comes down to that, they, they have to be better against Man City. That's for sure, as far as possession game goes. And, you know, if I don't think we can judge this game purely as how they're going to play when it comes to Tuesday. Yeah, Tuesday. So we'll see. We'll see. It's It's interesting. I think the main thing I like about this game is that Rodrigo got his two goals, which is re- great for his confidence. Um, I think he can hurt City just because Vinicius, as you said, always is going to attract so much danger. And having a front three is really a big difference from having a front two. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. 100%. Um, totally agree. It, it's, a, it's a game changer having that third that third option, especially when it's someone like Rodrigo who can actively break lines, dribble past players. Fantastic. Good finisher. Uh, he's a huge, huge, huge asset. What does, doesn't matter how you want to play. You want to play in transition, counterattacking option. You want to play um, a more suffocating, pressing control scheme. He can do both. Uh, I did want to um, to kind of bring it back to this game and uh, tie it into City, kind of combine the two discussions. 
what are some of the pitfalls you saw from today that you think City could take advantage of? I mean, like the common discourse uh, on social media on games like this is like, well, if we play like this against City, we're going to get destroyed. I That's true, but I also don't think football works like that. You know, like you can have a brutal game doing something terribly wrong and then compl- like Real Madrid can raise their game and also um, what's the opposite of raise? Just completely um, fumble it. What's that? Give me the word. Fall apart. Fall apart against uh, teams much worse than them on paper, but they can also elevate their game and and fix those those little kinks that they 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 suffer from. But for example, here's one that I that I'm looking at. Um, there's many, but here's one. We'll start here. Jose and I were talking before the game that one way that Osasuna can hurt us is Budimir aerial threat. They had so many free headers today. Um, and most of the headers that they got on, they were tame. They were kind of soft headers, or they it was right at Courtois. Courtois saved it. Is Holland more punishing in those? In is that like how much do we need to clean up stuff like that? I mean, a lot, but also it's last year when we played them. I thought Phil Foden was the one who got on the end of a lot of chances. He's super fast. But I didn't feel like he's as um, fast as Haaland. It really comes down to the positions they receive in. Last year, what we got away with was um, in the first leg was really holding a high enough line where they got such open chances, but they had to sprint. And I don't know, something about dribbling with the ball, you're just a little slower than if you are um, defending without the ball. I just feel like you have a slight advantage in most situations, especially over large distances. And that's what worked out in our favor. So if something like that happens again, I could see us getting some black magic going, Courtois making good saves. But near the goal, yeah, much more terrifying. City's 50-50s reaction time, ability to bounce onto second balls is pretty crazy. We're going to need much, much better game from Rudiger and everyone involved, just and Courtois even probably as far as They'll be tested more. It's City's reaction time this season is just phenomenal in the box. Since they're playing John Stones and Nathan Ake, they're essentially ganging up with four center backs and Erling Haaland, which is a lot. That's not easy to defend in corners, set pieces, let alone in open play situations. So, yeah. Yeah, we've been conceding so... I mean, this has been a problem for years now. I mean, just conceding headers on set pieces, crosses... Uh, it's just been disastrous marking. That's uh, another reason why I, I don't want to rely on Cruz as the six, as we've discussed many times. Um, the other thing that Osasuna did today that I think City obviously obviously does at a very, very much more elite level. Um, they, they press. <laughs> they press well. Granted, some of their pressing numbers are down from last season. I wrote about this on the site. People should go read it. I, I pinned it on the homepage that, um, you know, just looking at their press. But one thing that they also do is that they're underrated in the sense that they can downshift and play in deeper blocks if they have to and rotate really quickly. And then once they win the ball, if you counter press them or if you just try to, you know, win the ball back immediately they can destroy you and 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 break really quickly. So I, they, they're versatile in their defense. But obviously, like, Osasuna had this high zonal press today 
we had some sequences where we did well um, and a lot of sequences where we gave the ball away. Again, take your pick. Kamavinga had some giveaways. Militao had some errors. Alaba was probably the best in that regard, but Kavaka had some. But um, one thing that did help was Militao long balls. Alaba long balls too. Very good at that. Yash Thakur wrote about this on the site, how Militao can help escape pressure with his long balls. Militao obviously is not playing. So I'm looking at two things, Sid. Our ability to deal with pressure. And this is kind. Of, this is a big game for Rudiger. I need to see something from him, man. I need to see Ru- Chelsea Rudiger step up. I need to see it. Well, yeah, this game is going to come down to execution for sure. And that those little moments where you're building up, where you could give the ball away or you could turn completely away under pressure. It comes down to individual quality a lot of times. Um, we're going to see what this team is made of, what they've been building towards all season. They should be in the best shape of their season at the moment. And it definitely looked like they were in pretty good shape today, various points. Carvajal, as we talked about. But um, Eder Militao is also... Um, you know, I know he's out, but he'll be back for the second leg. And, you know, I think this will be a movie over two legs, not just one. I don't think it'll be a show that ends in the first half. <laughs> and, um, yeah, I think the it's just going to be exciting to see how both teams have improved from last season when they face off between preparation, how they rotated and managed the season, how they handled their new additions. It's going to be like almost a direct matchup between the two organizations. Like, hey, we're back at this stage, same stage as last season. And have can you get your players executing better than ours or not? And I I don't, it's so hard to say because Man City are overwhelming. They could be a historic team. There's one world where that happens. But I, I think we're giving it our best shot also because um, Carlo's job is on the line. You know, like we often have said and many people have said this that City is the biggest test of the season I think that's a fair statement to make to flip it do you think do you think that Real Madrid are the best team that City have faced all season I actually do think so and I mean with maybe the the best team they may have, have faced this season is probably the first time they played Arteta's Arsenal, um, the first game when they had Saliba, they won it. They won three one, I think. But Arsenal pretty much outplayed them for large stretches of the game, and could have won it. So I think in situations like those, who are who's better, Arsenal at their best this season or us? Us. I think Arsenal might have been better coached, but I think we're more talented. So it's that's us. where it's, I, I firmly believe it's us. Like I, I understand like Arsenal have had an amazing year, but I if we're if we're factoring ceiling, ceiling, not necessarily performances of the season, I think I think it's us. I think ceiling and mainly ability to navigate two legged ties when you tie in the experience, and then Vinicius and Rodrigo are just like unbelievable. Benzema is more composed than Gabriel Jesus. And, um, yeah, when you tie that all together, Courtois is pretty crazy in these type of games. Uh, he'll be very key in set-piece situations. So when you tie in everything, yes, Arsenal are a young team. But I do think at their best this season, I really think they should have won that game against Man City. And I really do think if they had their whole team available, they would have given City a run for their money. I'm I'm really sad about that, honestly. And um, we have to remember, they were at a pretty close to 100-point pace when they were healthy and it wasn't quite like Barcelona 
where Barcelona, you have a team that's like scoring, but struggling sometimes to see out La Liga games and mostly seeing them out because Ter Stegen's playing well and La Liga's forwards are just missing open chances. Whereas Arsenal, I thought they were just dominant. And the only thing they don't do well, especially without Saliba, is defending leads, which is where um, over a two-legged tie, I don't know if we defend leads too well, though. That's my thing um, when we go into this tie. But overall, I agree with you. We're more talented. I just think... um, And I also think this environment is different to the environment they faced Arteta's Arsenal. That was a league game. The context in which they faced them in, I thought that was a very impressive victory. Beating that team 3-1, equivalent of beating um, Liverpool 2018-19, 2-1 in January um, 2019. That brought them the league title that season that they won by one point, 98-97. Felt like it was that caliber of victory. But um, like I said, they didn't play twice. This is a different context. We played twice. We play chess differently too. I think um, we're just a much different team to play tactically than almost anyone in the world in that we could play almost any way. We're going to defend blocks. We're going to press. We're going to build up slowly. We're going to build up fast. We have the personnel to do every single thing. And Vinicius keeps the defenses honest. So that's what I'm excited to see, how how well we're able to match up with the fact that Vinicius's gravity and Rodrigo's gravity will create a lot of space. We should be able to build up and like create chances because they can't be too aggressive or who knows, maybe they're very aggressive. They won't ball. I think it's just um, for them. It's a matter of them not knowing how aggressive we're going to be. Use all of that, that you said, plus the fact that we've been at this stage so many times. Um, there's, there's a psychological element as well, obviously. Um, it's bringing it back full circle to this game again. What stood out to you that we have not discussed yet? Um, I mean, we talked a bit about it, but I thought Osasuna were very impressive. Um, Carlo hugged their coach, gave him a nice hug after the game. Was a very, um, hey man, well done type of hug. <laughs> he was really patting him on the back and like congratulating him essentially for coaching up a team that much. Um I thought that was a highlight. Maybe they tested us more than we're giving them credit for. It's a final. A final is a different environment, again, to a typical league game. I know we haven't been good in the league, but a final, the other team gets desperate. Second minute you score. Yeah, there are two possibilities. You run over them or their desperation allows them to build momentum for a long time. So, yeah, I think Osasuna played really well. What did you think of them tactically? I was really impressed. Um, He, he... Uh, Jose and I were talking about, you know, again, as I mentioned, just the fact that these guys are, are an impressive organized team. Arasat has done a fantastic job. They do have talented players, obviously, and they can, um, they can hurt you in transition. They also can press you. I, I was more so, apart from some tactical things, I was impressed with their response. Um, you know, as as we both said early when Rodrigo scored scored early, that's huge because they go into this game with a huge game plan, and all of a sudden you're starting the game one nil down with a certain game plan. Now you have to shift not only tactically but also mentally. That's not easy to do at a stage where you're not familiar with. It was their first final since 2005. Real Madrid just play finals for fun. It's hard. It's hard to do that psychologically. And they did well. They did really well. Response was great. I mean, um, after the Rodrigo goal, they had a great, great um, stretch, basically from that until 
you know, midway through the first half until Real Madrid calmed down a little bit and and Real Madrid took over. And then basically, I think we're the better team for the end of the first half. But that immediate response after Rodrigo scored, they got a bunch of free headers. They were getting, I mean, this is something we haven't spoken about yet. They were getting in the space behind Kamavinga and getting crosses into the box where they were getting free headers. And that was that was good. Um, the second half, you know, I, I thought largely, I think obviously overall Real Madrid was just a better team. Um, but it was that first half stretch and that response. And obviously um, their press was a little bit more aggressive in the second half until they scored. I, I In some ways, in some capacity, although I completely understood they did this, uh, I think when they scored, they almost put the nail in their own coffin because they just retreated a little bit and were and went into a deeper block. But I thought they were giving us problems up until the point where we were leading. And then, uh, and then obviously Rodrigo put the game to bed. And at that point, it became a little bit more chaotic and the game was more open and, and we had more chances in transition because they had to open up. But uh, I was impressed. Yeah, totally impressed with, with their performance and what they did. Um, David Alaba and Tony Cruz have completed club football. Wanted to yes. That. So Grunt, yeah. for people who don't... With two different know, clubs. For with two different clubs. So list off everything that um, that you are like for to require to complete club football, what is required? What what, um, what is it? All the to complete club football, you have to win the treble, I believe, at some point. And then or in this case, they have won um both won the treble with Bayern. Neither is one. But Alaba won two trebles with Bayern, which is pretty nuts. Um as a left back and as a center back. And I think I don't think you have to win a treble to complete football. You have to win your domestic cup. You have to win your domestic league. You have to win yeah. the Champions League. You have to win the Club World Cup. You have to win the UEFA Super Cup. And you have to win your local Super Cup in your domestic league, the Spanish or English or German. So you win all of those. And yeah, you complete club football. And Cruz obviously has won the World Cup. So he has just not won the Euros. That's all he has needs to complete football. Uh, is there anyone that's completed everything? Messi. He just Messi. completed football. Damn Messi. Uh, Who else completed football? Let's see. Um, has have Xavi and Iniesta not? I mean, the World World Cup Euros. Casillas. Xavi mm-hmm. Xavi completed football. Iniesta completed football. Casillas must have. Um, Casillas, Ramos. Um, These guys must. Have. Oh, not. Yeah, they've won the World Cup. They've won Ramos the Euros. Has, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, those guys did. And then, um, I believe, um, I was just thinking of, um, Angolo Conte might have completed football as well. Might have won all the Super Cups after winning the Champions League with Chelsea. He's won a couple Premier Leagues, won the World Cup. And did France win the Euros? No, that's the only thing they didn't win. Mm. Yeah, I mean, it's not an easy feat. It's hard. Only a few players, the Spain players did. Some of the Germany players have, um, even Ozil never completed it. Uh, give me some more thoughts from the, the Copa del Rey final. Um, I can't find the XG on this game. Have you? Uh, I have not. Uh, let me. I'm, I'll do a quick search. It's really, really hard to find Copa del Rey stats. <laughs> it's so really annoying. Uh, <laughs> they need to do a better job of giving us more analytics on Copa del Rey. Uh I'll I'll do a quick search on maybe maybe one of those. Footy stats. Footy stats. 
Dot org. Wait, is that a real site? Take... That almost seems so. Uh... That just doesn't sound straightforward URL that it almost doesn't seem real. Uh, All right. Yeah, I can't. Um, Let me see. Let me just look up XG right now and see where it comes up. What's your guess? Yeah, so I was going to say, I was actually, I had a guess in mind. It was 2.4 us to like, actually, maybe not. Maybe Is that the real stat or is that your guess? Yes, yes. To us to like, Maybe one point five them. What do you think? So just based on the shots, and again, this is not obviously how you calculate XG, but uh they had fifteen shots, we had seventeen. Uh that kind of caught me off guard. We had ten shots off target, they had six. They had more shots on target than us. They had two big chances, we only had one. And these are uh, according to Sofa score. We had 14 shots in the box. They had 11. And uh, I have no idea how to find XG for the Copa del Rey final. Sorry. <laughs> Don't know. I'm just trying. Um, that's what I'm literally <laughs> typing away looking for. Um, Maybe. Uh, I, I possibly. Oh, Mark like, Arstat's bot. Oh, Mark Arstat. He didn't have it? Not for the Copa final. If Mark Arstat I, I doesn't have it, nobody has it. Yeah, I mean... Sometimes football, I think football reference may post on their site, but it's not until days later. Usually, they don't have it immediate. Um, That's fine. Yeah, I don't, I don't think it's out yet, but, but I don't know. Um, The other thing I wanted to ask you was about um, Chuomeni's performance. What were your thoughts on his performance? Um, pretty in tune with his performances this season where sometimes he feels a little slow on the ball, but overall, I didn't mind it. I just thought like, since he's been in and out of the lineup, I don't feel like we're getting the absolute best from Juwameni right now, as far as shielding the defense and just playing in a defensive structure. The team isn't really like playing with a defensive inclination. And he thinks about the game a lot. So it's not the easiest environment for him all the time. So I thought that moderated his performance. And, you know, I thought I'm I'm glad he started in a win. What do you think? I thought he was largely good overall. Um, He had a couple really important sliding intervention, interception kind of tackle things like where there's a cutback and he flies over and he intercepts it. Those were, those were key. Passing largely was good. I, I think Osasuna made the mistake that they didn't really mark him tightly without the ball and with the ball. So he was pretty free to kind of roam around and connect the dots. Uh, I, I was fine with his performance. I don't know if he'll start. Um, well, that's really what I meant. I meant like, I don't know if it was a, I'm starting against Man City performance. But I, it was. Um... No, I don't think so. But, but I think it's also um, just looking at reality here. Modric is going to start that City game. And the only reason Modric didn't start tonight is probably just because, uh, with with all due respect to your conspiracy, I, I think it's just because he wasn't 100%. And I think he, he'll start against City, which means too many will probably come off the bench. I imagine he'll yeah, play. I, I just don't, I don't, I don't think he'll start. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I do think that Modric thing played a role. Um, either that or Modric agreed behind the scenes to... Um, you know, sit out <laughs> the Copa final, which I can't really see happening. So I see you there. 
But um, we'll see. Maybe maybe they talked about it and they went to Modric and are like, hey, this game is 10 times harder than every team we played this season. So we need to put in everything we got. And that includes this plan. But I do think to some degree, this is the hardest team we played this season too. And though we did see Barcelona at their absolute best a couple of times, which was very difficult, um, especially the January game. I thought that was a very difficult team to beat. Like if Barcelona played that way against almost any team in Europe, they would have stomped them in the way they played in January. And um, they just came out with a fire in their blood. And that's what we have to expect City to do to us. Honestly, we have to expect them to play like Barcelona did in January. Completely dominant, pressing, keeping the ball incredible and build up. If they go up, they're going to pass circles around us. We have to be prepared for all those scenarios. So... Yeah, I mean, it's going to be the hardest game of the season, which is why I wonder what they put into preparation a lot. I just love thinking about that stuff because, um, you know, it's they're pulling out everything they got. They got this is like so much rides on this game legacy wise. It's like almost the, the third game of the best of three between Guardiola's Man City and this Real Madrid. So we got to win this one. We got to we got to win it. It's really I feel like the, the winner wins the Champions League. So everything's on the line i mean i've personally i believe the reports that say that carlo's out if they don't win the champions league i understand they didn't play that well in the league they had a very fortunate streak last season with the form their forwards in so you know with the lucky land slots you can get lucky just about anywhere this is your captain speaking uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky no, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. So I also just want to point out something else to tie this uh, into the discussion. Going back to the idea of like, oh, if Real Madrid plays like this, he can city their toast. Keep in mind one thing. Um, it is totally normal not to win a Copa del Rey final before the biggest game of the season with a dominating flying colors performance. It is totally reasonable, in my opinion. First of all, consider the fact that our heads are half on City. Second of all, we struggle against teams like this in La Liga all the time. Third of all, Real Madrid have lost uh, something crazy. Like I, I can't remember. I don't know if it was 19 or 20 Copa del Rey finals. That's got to be like one of the most unbelievable stat- statistics you'll ever see. Like, you know, like Real Madrid in finals, not in Copa del Rey. They just don't. <laughs> they lo- literally lose like. They've lost like almost a couple. Uh, I think they've. Uh, I think it was twenty. I can't. I have to double check it. Or if it wasn't the, twenty. It was close to twenty. I thought one of the funniest ones was the twelve thirteen final when Ronaldo, I think, got red carded against Simeone's Atleti. Yeah, Mourinho's last game. One of last. One of his last games in charge. <laughs> yep. Uh, that 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 actually I remember was also the the 
turning of the tide in the derby because I think it was something crazy, like almost 20 years, Real Madrid had not lost to Atletico. And then after that final, that final was the first one Atletico won in like years and years and years. And then after that, they started a streak where we couldn't beat them for the life of us in La Liga. We could not beat Simeone's Atletico at all. Um, I remember also, I think it was the centenary year. 2002, was it? Yeah, it was centenary year. We played Deportivo in the final. Of course, that was Super Depor. The team of Valeron, Diego Tristan, Jalminia, Moro Silva, uh, Manuel Pablo, Roy Mackay. It was obviously a tough game, but it was centenary year, 100-year anniversary, Copa del Rey final. In the Bernabeu, it was rocking. Everyone was expecting a big party, and we lost that game. And so it's just like it's so totally in our DNA to lose these Copa Finals. I'll just point that out. I'm not saying it's a good excuse. I'm not saying it's we're proud of it. I'm just saying like it's it, it's a reasonable thing not to win this final five nothing and just strike fear into the hearts of Manchester City. <laughs> That's not how it works. Um, so we just have to hope that Real Madrid elevate their game, which they have done so many times in their history after not playing as well against a smaller team. Uh, they have to elevate. Uh, well, talk- we only have to win through one, but yes, we have to elevate to do that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, another talking point uh, is Vinicius and yellow card distribution and all that stuff. Um, I still think it's crazy because I only I will always side on Vinicius' side in stuff like this. He has been on the abused end all season, racism, uh, physical abuse, and lack of protection from the referees. You can tell me all you want that Vinicius needs to improve on certain things and and quote-unquote stick to football. I won't necessarily disagree with you, but I will say that the cost-benefit analysis of Vinicius is overwhelmingly irrefutably in the positive, astronomically in the positive. So some of these minor things that people get worked out about, Vinicius this, he needs to look, okay, you're not necessarily wrong, but just take into context, like that guy is destroying people on the field, absolutely cooking them. And you can't just for one second appreciate that and stop going at this guy who has been on the suffering and the racist abuse all, all season. Should he stop maybe embellishing contact and diving? Sure. Should he stop yelling at the referee? Sure. But there was like the distribution of yellow cards for the fouls that are committed on him compared to that of him for dissent does not add up to me. He should not be getting more yellow cards than his opponents receive for the tackles he receives. That makes no sense to me. The other thing is David Garcia, who was on a yellow card early, at that one moment where he kind of grabs Vinicius's hair. I don't know what to call it. He kind of puts his hand on Vinicius's head and just kind of like, I don't know what he does, brushes it, holds it, kind of. But that's like, how is he allowed to do that? But then Vinicius gets a yellow card for complaining about reacting to that. Like, he's not allowed to react to that. If someone did that, I'd be like, get your hands off me. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I think... I'm pretty close to the position of almost always defending Vinicius. I think there are times when he did too many things, but um, I think it's better to not react and take the higher ground because then 
you can easily turn the narrative into your favor over time. It is ridiculous, though, that he's gotten this many yellow cards. I think he should stick to embellishing contact and not complaining as much. But also, it's good to point these things out. I mean, the main thing is we're playing outside Spanish jurisdiction, Spanish FA, RFBF, or whatever all those things are. We're outside their jurisdiction. We're not playing against any Spanish away crowds anymore. We're playing in the Champions League against an English team. And for once, an English team and the Champions League sounds like a way less hostile environment. <laughs> yeah, 100%. Uh, and uh, many, many You think players, that's a factor? Just the fact, you know, playing in Spain and Europe? That Vinicius is like 1.2 times better because they ref him differently in the Champions League and that it's not as blatantly stupid when he gets abused, when he... Do you, you think? think he's better in the Champions League? I think he might be more inelastic in that um, he's always going to drive at you. And if you're not allowed to abuse him or if you're ref more tightly, it's much harder to get away with a lot of things against yeah. him. And I think that changes the game, of course. Yeah. Well, he actually, I mean, like statistically speaking, <clears throat> he actually is more efficient in Champions League. And, um, this season and last season, he pretty much leads every single offensive metric in the Champions League over any other winger and any other like offensive creator, except for goals, which Holland dominates. But the uh, the other thing is he has more space in the Champions League typically, which I, I think is is just obviously more fun for him to to navigate. Um, you, what did you mention that I wanted to touch on, Vinicius? Uh, you said something interesting there. Can't remember. Just about how he's like 1.2 times better. <laughs> I think it was before that. You said something before that. Anyways, um, yeah, I, I, I guess I just, oh, the the embellishment. That's what I wanted to say. I'm actually just want to clarify. I'm actually okay with embellishment. I think it's you know maybe I'm biased towards it because I'm an embellisher as a footballer, um, but I don't dive. I've never dove when I was playing football. I don't agree with diving. I don't think Vinicius should dive under any circumstances. But embellishment, I'm totally okay with. I would always actually come to the defense of Neymar anytime he exaggerated contact because I'm like, guys, he's getting the shit kicked out of him. If he doesn't bring attention to this, like he, the play will just go on. Like he needs to, like I'm okay with embellishment, especially like if it's like a natural reaction to getting fouled. If it's a foul, it's a foul. It doesn't matter if you embellish or not, in my opinion. Uh, but don't dive. That's the line that I, I don't think should be crossed, but I'm okay with embellishment. All right, Sid. Uh, I got to go. Do you want, is there any, like in the next like 30 seconds, is there anything that you wanted to, to close with? Um, About these games? No. I mean, I hope we beat Man City. I won't be on for the post-game pod for the first game, but I'll be back. I'll be back for the second leg, and um, you know I'm I'm here watching. I'll be tweeting about the game, and I'm ready. I'm ready. It's the biggest two games of the season, a knockout tie that history will remember. I'm excited for that. I'm excited for Lakers Warriors tonight as well. That's right. Yeah, what a series, man! That what that that's lived up to the hype. That's been amazing to watch. So much fun. Um, yeah. So just for the listeners. 
Very, very important. Please, please take note of this. This Tuesday, one hour after the game, uh, we are logging on on Zoom. Lucas is going to be at the stadium uh, in the first leg. I'm going to be at the Etihad for the second leg. For both games, we're doing Zoom podcasts. To get access to those links, patreon.com slash managingmadrid. Super important. Um, otherwise, you can't get in on that show. If you join us live on the call, you can ask questions. You can uh, also access the podcast in case you can't make the call later. And it's all there. So I'm going to go. We didn't We didn't actually get into any post-game quotes just because we were busy analyzing the game. So sorry we didn't talk about what Ancelotti said. There, yeah, you got me. Okay. Um, Florentino was just complaining about the fact that the Copa final was three days before a Champions League semifinal. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's a funny, that was just something that stood out that he would um, mention that immediately after the game. Well, it's funny then, because, I mean, didn't City, City play today, right? That Gundogan penalty miss, was that today or yesterday? That was um, today. They played today. Today, today. It's all the same. Mm-hmm. Maybe, maybe, uh, maybe they're not a cup final, but hey, they're putting out their best players still because they have to make sure they win the Premier League. So it, yeah, at least yeah. it's fair. It's even in that sense. Carlo said, um, we are fully focused on winning the Champions League, but like we're fully focused on viewing the Champions League. And um, yeah, I mean, celebrating, we will celebrate with a little bit of wine, nothing special. We have a game on Tuesday. So, you know, he said special thanks to Osasuna. Yeah, he kind of said the same things we did just in his own manager speak. Um, we had a very good first 30 minutes. The players got a little bit nervous and I calmed them down. Our history makes us focus on the match versus City. Ah, that's what it is. The history is what made us focus on previewing the game. And um, yeah, I think, you know, I think Carlo just echoed what we did and how we all feel. I'm excited for Tuesday. Well said, my friend. Excited for Tuesday. Excited, nervous. This is uh, This is the apex of the season. This is where we either get our hearts ripped out or we... Absolutely enter a state of jubilation. Siddharth Ramsundar, always a pleasure, man. We'll catch you next time. Enjoy the Warriors Lakers game tonight. Peace. Sports Social Podcast Network.